Welcome one and all. My name is Donato and this is You, Me and Sub3, a podcast, a little bit about me, but mainly guests who are striving to be the best that they can be in running. And for myself, having taken up running in my mid 50s only a couple of years ago, Last year, in 2019, I had one of my life's epic achievements and been selected for the England Marathon Masters team. Now, whilst that is a great achievement, this April at London, I've set an even bigger challenge, which is just a few weeks before my 59th birthday. And that challenge is what thousands of top athletes aspire to. And that is for me to run my first ever sub three hour marathon. Many dream about it but only a few achieve this. So this will be my weekly diary, so to speak, of my training journey to London Marathon. And a lot of my journey I share on my YouTube channel. But with this here is where I want to be sharing my hints, tips, and how to run the best marathon we can and enjoy as best we can with the help of many guests from a cross-section, both professionals and everyday runners like you and me. Today's guest is Tom Craggs, who's an England athletics coach and also head coach for Runners World UK and has been coaching for over a decade, working with runners from beginners to GB international athletes, who also holds an MSc in performance coaching as well as athletics coaching and personal training qualifications. He has told me he has run a few marathons also over the years and he's got a great depth of knowledge and information and it's an absolute privilege to have him on this show as a guest to share some of the insights and helps and hopefully you'll find this useful in terms of many of the uh, training patterns and tips and also towards the end we cover some of the uh, common mistakes that um, you and I may have made over the years. So thank you all so much for listening and I hope you enjoy this chat that I had with Tom Craggs. Thank you. Good day, one and all, and welcome, Tom Craggs, to the show. How are you doing, mate? I'm very good, thanks. Um, I am currently sat in a car park uh, speaking to you, which is very glamorous, but uh, it's good to be with you anyway. I was going to say, Tommy, it is um, obviously from uh, from your background, obviously I gave it the intro where they're in, in terms of the work that you do and the coaching. Uh, you're in the car park because you're always on the go. You're always coaching athletes around the UK. Is that right? Yeah, so... Um, because it's endurance coaching a lot of what I do is people might be surprised is actually more behind a desk than you probably realize so there's a lot of writing training plans we I know you know this obviously well yourself but there's a lot of writing training plans analyzing data that sort of stuff but I still do get out and about and do kind of um, live sessions with people and out and about visiting clubs so yeah I've been on the road today so yeah I've had a slightly seedy I'm in a slightly seedy (laughs) by a river so it's yeah, very uh, see someone yeah. in the car behind you know for those who listen on the podcast yeah you're missing out on the video here get onto youtube but uh, but before i go into what we're going to cover and we had a chat beforehand it's just some of the uh, obviously being a, um, a coach for from beginners to gb athletes and uh, having over a decade of experience uh, with yourself and and it's fantastic that you've given your time obviously in between your training sessions with your uh, athletes to come on here and share your knowledge which i'm very grateful for and i'm sure those watching and listening are grateful for but what we're going to cover is a few little training tips differences so whilst this is a you me and sub three there are a lot of beginners who watch this so we're going to go through some of the tips 
training tips between the difference from a beginner to someone looking to run a sub four and someone run a sub three. And also we'll maybe cover some of the uh, top five beginner marathon mistakes that people often do and sometimes forget. So, um, but before we go into that, Tom, do you want to tell us how, what's the best way of people to find you on the interwebs and social meds? Yeah, so um, my company's called uh, Fast Running, fastrunning.com. So check it out because it's, um, it's more of a more of a news website than anything else so lots of news about running about racing results about stuff that's going on particularly related to to running in the uk but also stuff that's happening around the world so check that out um social media i do have an instagram account but i'm not a big instagrammer particularly yeah yeah Um, so twitter's the best place to find me on social media and that's um uh uh, thomas craggs at thomas craggs so yeah Hook me up okay. on that. Or, um, or uh, my own website is tomcrags.com. Tomcrags.com. Fastrunning.com. So people do like to run fast, don't they? What, whatever levels they are, would, would you say that even from a beginner, obviously the elite athletes want to run as fast as they can, but you know, do you find that a lot of beginners who come to you, um, what, why do they come to you? Are they looking to run faster? Do they want to be better? What, what are the key things they're looking for when they come to you? Well, I think, um, I think, well, look, I didn't get into the sport as an elite athlete. So I came into running as a, um, as an overweight guy. So I was 15 stone and I couldn't run a mile. My dad was diagnosed with bowel cancer. So I entered a marathon to raise money for charity. So my entry to the sport is probably more from, well, it's definitely more from the side of people, almost like a beginner's side. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm an elite athlete, so it just so happens that I've ended up coaching elites as the years have gone by. Um, so the reality is a lot what probably a lot of people who are newer to the sport don't realise is that elite athletes, their motivations are not dissimilar to anybody else's particularly. There yeah. may be kind of a bit more riding on it and there may be, some of them may have been doing it for careers. But ultimately, yeah, if you when I first started to run, of course I wanted to get a bit quicker. I wanted to run a bit further. I wanted to get a bit quicker. Um, I wanted to feel better about myself. I wanted to enjoy my running more. But I was still competitive, you know. Um, and just as I, I think the beginners that I've met over the years are are every bit as kind of competitive and wanting to improve. Um, as the elite athletes so the elite athletes are every bit as invested in the enjoyment of running as a beginner is if you know what I mean because I think sometimes we almost view people as the opposite ends and complete opposite motivations and I don't think it's the case we all share similar motivations we want to probably do want to may not be true for everybody but we maybe do want to get a little bit quicker but we certainly want to feel better and enjoy our running more um you know maybe it's getting a pb maybe it's running a bit further maybe it's feeling a bit healthier i don't think the motivations are massively different to be honest from beginners to elite just perhaps the um how how um the the margins we're talking about maybe get a little bit tighter as you get quicker you know we're talking seconds rather than minutes or you know whatever but uh yeah um, that, that is really good to hear, Tom. I mean, obviously, from your perspective and the wealth of experience you have, because um, a lot of people tend to say that, uh, you know, elites have no real idea what beginners are like. And as you say, from what, where you've come from, where I've come from, I wouldn't regard myself as an elite, although some people may say that. But we, we are relatable and we all have the same thoughts and feelings that I don't think, um, you know, sometimes people tend to say that they're unrelatable or don't really have different motivations but we're all pretty similar from what you're saying yeah 
yeah absolutely we all still get those days where in fact i've had one today where i just didn't want to go for a run run. (laughs) wasn't motivated couldn't get myself to do it you know um uh, we all have those not every elite athlete stands at the start line of every race completely confident in their ability to perform you know they will have the same kind of self-doubts confidence issues um you know races that they enjoy races that they don't enjoy as anybody else really um so i wouldn't you know next time you're stood in the start line of a race i wouldn't see i wouldn't see those uh those quicker athletes as somehow a different breed because they're not really they're the same breed yeah. they may be going a little bit quicker yeah um, yeah or they're still human beings <laughs> still absolutely human beings. what what would you say i mean for me from my layman's perspective is the elite person has probably trained more than than a beginner um, and uh, changed a few dietary things. But in terms of training tips from, a, you know, we'll talk about the endurance because a lot of people who, who do listen to this podcast and watch the channel um, are mainly, in, I call endurance athletes, marathon runners, half marathon runners, ultra runners as well. Um, but how does the training differ from, say, a beginner? You mentioned yourself, you know, being 15 stone beginner. I was... Um, not as heavy as that as a beginner runner, but I was heavy before, you know, years ago. Um, but as a beginner and how it, it changes or adapts or does it change and adapt from a beginner to, say, a sub four marathon runner to a sub three marathon yeah. runner, sub 230? Because I know you do coach um, elite athletes who are at the top for their, you know, say, representing uh, Team GB. How does the training differ or does it does it differ? Yeah, um, I mean, there are some core elements to it that are clearly similar. So, you know, most people, not necessarily everybody, but the the vast majority of people I coach, and I do still coach uh, some beginners. So the vast majority of people I coach, their training week or two weeks or three weeks or whatever it is we're looking at at a time will include a mix of, you know, some easy running, some longer runs, some runs where we have some quicker running in there of various different sorts. Um, Generally, and this is not, always the case but i think is it generally as you probably might expect those athletes who are training for quicker times you know perhaps a sub three marathon or a 230 will probably be doing a little bit more running um overall in the weeks they might be running a little bit more often but that isn't always the case and in fact you know if i think back to the time obviously that you and i worked together in the past you moved from you know, I think around about 345 for the, for the marathon to um, to inside 315. And actually, in that time, comparatively, there were a lot of people running times around similar times who were running a lot more than you. So you don't have yeah. to run loads in order to perform. Mm. Um, and I certainly know of athletes. And in fact, I've coached athletes who have run inside 230 for the marathon who are running very infrequently. So maybe two or three times a week. They're doing a lot of other things. They're doing cross training and other things in there to help them train. But I think as a general rule, it would be fair to say that the quicker you get, you probably are training a little bit more frequently. But I think the big difference for me is perhaps the subtlety and the range of paces. So um, as I kind of got fitter in a, and a, improved a little bit, um, there, I probably had more gears. So instead of having a, a fast and a slow um, or a fast, a medium, or yeah, slow. Yeah. I've had, I might have had five or six different gears, and the subtlety of pacing, kind of more focused. 
and where that really comes into its own is is in the marathon so if you say looking at a sub three hour marathon runner or a sub 230 marathon runner for those guys marathon pace is pretty testing it's a pretty so if i set a training session where we put in marathon pace um so if i was coaching you and we said look uh, let's go out and do four by 20 minutes of marathon pace within your long run to the pace you're going to be going out and running that so let's say 255 256 sort of pace that's a pretty testing pace to be running you know that's yeah, a challenge yeah. session if i'm coaching an athlete that's maybe running four and a half hours just logically the difference between running two hours 53 hours and running four and a half hours the two hour 50 runner is probably running at slightly higher heart rate yeah, so uh, right welcome back tom and uh, yes, did you go and pay your parking ticket? Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I pretended I lost internet connection, but I just, I just got back. Hey, hey, we're back. We're back. Anyway, we were saying that uh, how how the nuances of differences in terms of the um, training for uh, you know difference between a, uh, a someone a beginner and uh, someone who's uh, looking to go uh, sub three, sub four. But we, we briefly touched on where people have a target time and that they train to a target time rather than where they're starting at mm. and, and you know what, we, yeah. what can happen when people just seem to go gung-ho on their training thinking that they want to get to that level what, what are the things you've seen that, that often happen well we try we love round numbers don't we we love round numbers in in distance running so and we do pick we tend to pick these sort of slightly arbitrary targets so your body doesn't really know what a three hour marathon is or a 245 or a four hour marathon or whatever it is so we like to pick round numbers pacers always go up at round numbers so you very rarely get like a 352 pacer or whatever but the reality is your physiology is probably ready to run a marathon or train to run a marathon in quite a tight target range it may only be a few minutes either side of your goal race pace so the reality is if you're in kind of you know 406 shape and you're you're you're, you're pushing for four hour pace you're probably right on the physical limit about whether that's going to be achievable so the problem is that you know clearly the way that the marathon the marathon is particular event works is your body needs to be very good at the way that it uses energy. So you need to be really economical in how you use energy. You have a finite amount of carbohydrates that your body can store, and there are a limited amount that you can take on when you run. Your body can get good at burning other energy sources, stored fats and everything else. But the reality is, if you're actually only in whatever, three-hour ten shape, and you're, you're gunning for three hours, your body's going to burn through those carbohydrate stores a lot quicker, and you're going to get somewhere probably between 30K and 35K, and the wheels are going to start to come off. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I was going to say, we're going to go through some of the um, beginner mistakes or mistakes that people make, but, uh, and about burning fat stores. Is, is it just at marathon and beyond? Is there a certain point where, like, does this happen at half marathon distances because i have heard people even at 10k maybe they've misusing of words where they say they hit the wall in mm. a half marathon or a 10k um and I, I can see for those who are watching this on video can see tom tommy smiling there um when when they're saying they hit the wall in a 10k or a half marathon what what, what is hitting the wall actually what is it actually 
Yeah, so, hitting a physical wall. We're talking about running you know, terms now. It's, like, it's probably slightly different things going on in a 5K or a 10K than they're going on in a marathon. Um, but even in like an 800 meter race, you can go off too hard. You know, yeah, yeah. You, you could. So, in a let's say you've let's say you've gone out to your local park run, you're doing a 5K, and you're targeting 20 minutes, and you go, which is four minutes a K. Is my maths is still functioning? well enough if you go through the first kilometer in 345 it's not the thing that's not the thing that's limiting you later on in the race is not necessarily readily available carbohydrates which is what that's the thing that we tend to call hitting the wall in a marathon what's yeah. happening is your body is just producing your muscle your muscle fatigue will go up at such a rapid rate it's not going to get you around the 5k without having to slow down so it's less about available energy and more about the amount of fatigue your body's producing right, right. Sports science of that is we can measure that in the laboratory by measuring what we call lactate so we use lactate yeah. measurement of fatigue inside your body and we can kind of see that progressing up as you as you tire in a 5k if you go off too hard that those levels of fatigue those lactate levels are going to go up very very high um and you'll get to the point your body just can't sustain that level of fatigue your heart rate will jump up and eventually mm. you need to slow down just because of the level of of, of muscular tiredness and um, physical damage that's going on it's, right it's, right in a marathon right. somewhat different that can still happen absolutely that can still happen but hitting a wall in a marathon tends to be well it's caused by a lot of different things and pacing is still one of the major reasons why it happens mm. clearly but the pacing relates more to your energy consumption and like i said you've got this window of carbohydrate stores that ideally we would extend through as much of the marathon as possible if you go off too hard we burn through it and unless you're really really good at using stored fats the chances are you're gonna have to slow down and kind of cyclists call it bonking you know when you just yeah, run out yeah. of energy basically and that's there's other stuff that happens clearly there's muscle damage muscle fatigue all sorts of things can slow you down in a marathon unfortunately but, yeah. but hitting a wall is is very often related to energy and just using these carbohydrate stores too quickly right and how quick can these disappear i mean i often hear of sort of sweet spots of like 18 23 miles can it happen earlier where people burn off their stores if they're really going off because i've seen some people go yeah. off mega fast can it yeah if you've had a good if you've if you've done a sensible not carbohydrate load if that even exists but if you've been sensible with your eating in the days before the race so you've made sure that you you know you're eating well you know you're mm. eating enough your body can store maybe an hour and a half to about an hour 45 uh of uh running's worth of carbohydrate in your nice. body as you can see you know, so it's a time thing, not a distance thing. Well, it's a, it's a, so yeah, I'd say it's, it's a time, not a distance thing, because clearly, you know, you're some of us are going to be out for longer on our feet than others. So I think mm. of it more of as a sort of a time thing. That doesn't mean to say that no matter what happens after 90 minutes to an hour, 45, you're going to run out of energy, because what your body does is it uses multiple energy yeah, um, stores yeah. at the same time. But what we want to do is try to spread that carbohydrate window out for all the way through the marathon by being good at burning stored fats as well so the mm -hmm. problem is though if you completely run out of them and your body's only able to use stored fats your your body needs to inevitably you probably need to slow down so um if you think of if you, if you go out at an intensity where you're the harder you work 
because you need to that energy quickly your body goes to its preferred energy source which is carbohydrates because it's very quick and easy for your body to use so if you go off way too hard so let's say you go off at you know just a little slower than your half marathon pace yeah some some at some point when you've gone you're going to burn through that 90 minutes an hour 45 probably in about 90 minutes an hour 45 or maybe two mm-hmm. hours maximum so you can yeah. get halfway through if you run in four hours it's very possible to get halfway through a marathon and already be very low on your available energy stores if you, if you paced it wrong which yeah. makes the second half a pretty uncomfortable experience <laughs> well yeah yeah I've, I've seen many a uh, thing and of that happen i think what, what's the phrase the wheels coming off is uh, yeah the wheels coming off phrase yeah wheels go- <laughs> and, uh, and obviously we see lots of pictures of people you know wobbling and all sorts where it has completely gone but in terms of key training tips what uh, what would you say for someone uh, getting started what what is the best way to uh, get ready for a marathon and what yeah. kind of times uh, would you say because i remember i vividly remember downloading as you say the standard plan which was one of your plans from the cancer research website and but it clearly said at the beginning what you needed to be at to start that training so I think I went for an intermediate one or not a beginner beginner but somewhere off the beginner one but it clearly stated that I needed to be able to run non-stop for 40 minutes I think it said or 30 minutes so I couldn't really start that plan and it took me a number of weeks to build up to get to start that plan. Yeah. Um, so what, what would you say is a typical time for someone? Say they've been doing a few park runs for a, a couple of years and they want to step up. What what kind of times would they need to allow for training? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you're really experienced, definitely if you're a really experienced runner, if you're, if you're like some of the, the international athletes I've got, and this might seem counterintuitive, but some of the international athletes I've got, their really specific marathon training may only be 10 to 12 weeks long because they're mm. doing loads of other stuff before they yeah. get, they're already fit before they get into it. Yes. So if you go, if you go through marathon training for too long, you do too many long runs, you do too many hard, big sessions, they're just going to arrive knackered, you know, yeah. whereas obviously if you're a bit newer to it, giving yourself the time to build up slowly and patiently and, and make it much more of a kind of a gradual journey is a, is a very sensible way to go. Uh, typically marathon training plans, particularly for things like the London marathon will be 16 weeks long. That some of that is just timing, isn't it? Some of that is just because generally 16 weeks falls on the first week of January. And so yeah. it's just ended up almost culturally four months. It's just ended up being that, that 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 kind of way because the london marathon dominates so much of, of what yeah. we do in terms of training plans um i don't think it's a bad time scale to give yourself but if you're coming into 16 weeks and you've literally you're brand new to running i'd say that is a an, an awful lot to expect of your body in 16 weeks to go yeah. from virtually yeah. nothing and I, I saw your video about the kind of zero to, to 12 12 uh, marathon in 12 weeks and i think maybe we'll talk about that in a bit but i think you have to be realistic about not only realistic about what your body can achieve but why are you doing it like what are you trying to get out of it so for me yeah running a marathon in itself is a challenge and it's something that you can invest yourself and it's a great achievement to do but it's a much greater achievement to do when you've trained properly for it and you've you've kind of given it your best instead of going in there with half the amount of training that you should have had and just getting around it because Mm. you can 
mm-hmm. you know is that as satisfying i'm not sure it is as really giving yourself time so i'd say if you if you're going off six, 12 to 16 weeks you need to be sustainably able to run you know i'd like to go into a 16 week training plan probably able to run eight to ten miles really yeah, yeah. now look that is if i want to go and run my whole marathon i would say but there are some people that if you're not at that point and you've got your marathon coming up there's nothing wrong with running and walking a marathon but you need to accept that that's what you're going to do and it's a bit like we were just talking about being over ambitious about your time it is the equivalent of that is if you tell yourself that you're going to run a whole marathon and you're not physically ready to do it and in which case i would always say you're much better to run and walk throughout your training do a mix of running and walking people may some of your watch may well have seen jeff galloway's training plans yeah, where he yeah. says you know short blocks of of easy running with short blocks of walking and i think that's a great way to go but it is self-reflection and putting your ego in a box is a hard thing to do sometimes there is absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with running and walking a marathon i've i've walked in a marathon when i've kind of the wheels have come off a bit my marathon still counts just as much as any other i've i've done you know yeah. um so you need to be realistic and i'd say if, you, if you're starting from scratch unless you've done a lot of other sport training before and you're a pretty fit person if you're completely starting from scratch and you're pretty out of shape you probably need to accept that you're going to be walking some of your marathon and you need yeah. to prepare to do that you know yeah. it's interesting you mentioned uh, jeff galloway i think the phrase that he's come up with is jeffing yes um, he's got a brand so around him. yeah he's got a brand around uh, <laughs> one walk but as you say, I mean, I think the time when I did go uh, sub 3.15 with yourself, I, I did incorporate walking through uh, most of the aid stations. But um, but yeah, it, it is running most. And I do, again, remember, and I think you guys did say it as a, as a bit of a quip at the introduction, I think it was January. So it would have been four years ago, January, where the statement was made by you guys at the front saying we could take each and every one. I think there's about 60 of us in the room could take each and every one of you and we will all finish 26.2 miles. However, and this is where the caveats all came in. However, you will all finish in different times. And some of you may be in a lot more pain than others and you'll lose nails, etc. So the purpose, because obviously we were starting our training and you were given the reason why people have a training plan. And, and I think you've, you've summed it up perfectly there is, is expectations, parking the ego, but also it's to help us to enjoy the experience yeah. more because I, I believe the the marathon or all running should be enjoyed. Um, I can't think of anything worse than where you're in absolute agony and your knees killing ankles and, and you've still got another seven miles to go. It's um, but, but, but Yeah, there's that. And it's also, I think I remember that back to those, those, those training events. Yeah. I think what we're saying is like, you know, you will all get round your marathon on marathon yeah, yeah. because it means something to you. So you will get round. Um, but some of you are going to get round better than others and you'll get round better than others, not just because of talent. You'll get there because you've trained. Yeah. And I think for me, the thing that I remember about marathons, I've run a number of marathons now. Um, but the thing I, I remember about marathons, I do remember the day. Of course, you remember the day. And it's a great achievement to do. The bigger thing for me is the journey of the training. It's that that's when I really learned about myself. I didn't learn. I learned about, you know, the fact that I can stick it out on marathon day if things are tough or I can run well when I'm feeling good. But 
the, the trainings where you really learn about yourself and you really go on yeah. that journey that's what marathon training is about that's what marathons are about so if you kind of cut that short you're losing you're losing the benefit <laughs> exactly i mean i mean what a perfect way of, of of summing that up tom because i recall someone saying that the marathon at the end so the training is like the cake and the marathon is the cherry on top at the end and the celebration of your training um so uh, yeah it's a fantastic way of putting that i mentioned cake so i'm going to quickly move on to obviously we talked about the training does the diet because i i like uh, cake i'm sure a lot of people like cake i do love my pizzas and pasta and all sorts but i tend to eat what i want but as i say i'm not quite running sub 230 just yet but do people's diets need to change in any way from from a beginner to a sub four I personally have not changed my diet at all, really. Um, but would you say that uh, there needs to be any hard and fast rules or it's just a case of enjoying food? Because I see people eating. They don't like bananas, but they eat it because they say being told it's been good. But mm. if I didn't like a banana, I wouldn't eat it. But do people no. need to radically change their diets in any way? No. I mean, well, look, some, some people might need to radically change their diets. But what I'd say is if you need to radically change your diet, to train for a marathon you probably needed to radically change your diet anyway so what what for me look and i'm not i'm not pretending to be a dietitian you know and there are some there are some fantastic nutritionists and dietitians out there to give that can give you really specific advice because once you get into the when you really drill down into you know you're in only the same as coaching you really drill down into your own individual physiology we may well have areas of our diet where we're deficient in certain mm. micronutrients or vitamins and minerals and whatever and those are, are very well addressed by by qualified you know dietitians and nutritionists and it is sometimes it, it is well worth investing in because it doesn't cost a lot of money you learn a lot about yourself by doing it but what i would say is by and large like good marathon nutrition is good day-to-day nutrition <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah. It's, it's 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 having a balance and not getting stressed clearly some of your like we need to eat more we need to consume you know perhaps higher densities of of the right nutrients because we're demanding more of our bodies and you know i guess sometimes perhaps sometimes people look at the elite athletes and think oh maybe they're really tight with their diets often i'm trying to get them to be less tight with their diets (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. because they're they're, because they're training to have very high volumes and actually i need to get them eating more than they do sometimes um and actually not being as constrained by worrying about their food as much because it can become you know running is a compulsive sport and it can attract um compulsive behaviors in other areas of life and i think that's where if if you've read kind of reading mcgregor's books there's a very good read on this on this sort of stuff um but you know as you say for most of us but i know it's boring advice but it's balanced healthy like go and enjoy the enjoy your food enjoy having a pizza enjoy like enjoy having a cake enjoy eating fruit and vegetables you know enjoy having the salad and that sort of stuff becomes more important so it's not you can't you maybe can't get away with just having pizza because <laughs> we need <laughs> yes yeah you can't have it I'd, as much as i'd like it three times a day no i don't eat it three times a day. um but you know uh, c- common sense stuff healthy mix of high quality carbohydrates um you know um a, a good amount of vegetables some decent protein to allow your muscles to heal and recover and within that there are layers of how good your diet can yeah, be yeah. <laughs> um, and, and i'd say most of us can imp- most i absolutely can improve my diet there's yeah, no question yeah. about it yeah, yeah. but is it is it okay for what i'm doing yeah it probably is you know mm-hmm. most of the time 
I think the key the key word uh, I lost count how many times you said it was enjoy. So yes. in the same way with the training is enjoy the training is the the diet the eating is enjoy. And you mentioned about Rini McGregor. I think I'll have to leave a link below because uh, Rini was a guest on the show here. I think uh, this time last year and obviously right. it's a very long video and she goes into a lot of details. So everybody want to click on that link and and see all the ins and outs. But she in in yes. summary it was about balanced diet and really. You know, as, as you've said, Tom, I think it's not just enjoying the training, but enjoying what, what we eat. And I think the stressing over certain foods probably holds people back in certain things. So. You know, not yeah. uh, worrying on that. But uh, we, we did chat about this one earlier. Obviously, you've, we've talked about bonking, I think cyclists call it, or hitting the wall, wheels falling off. What would you say... Um, and we can keep this sort of, maybe, I don't know whether it's lighthearted or not, but the yeah. top five beginner mistakes that people make and some people keep making the same mistakes so they're not beginner anymore <laughs> they've run like their 10th because I remember running Malaga and the guy's <laughs> next to me and he was from I can't remember where he was from and we we're just chatting away as, as you know I run with this thing so I'm running yeah. with my GoPro yeah. chatting to my camera and this guy gets chatting to me and everybody was sprinting past us and and this guy I think he might have been about my age or maybe a little younger he said, oh, it took me 20 marathons till I worked out that I shouldn't be running out fast. Um, so I guess we could kick off going out too fast is a classic beginner mistake. But what would you say your, your top five if you wanted to reel off? Um, Look, just randomly, the there's no there's no top list. I, I did just yeah. bring this upon you, Tom. So anyone no, no, who's watching, not. listening, this isn't yeah. a in any particular order. But <laughs> some of the five things that you've come across in your time there. Uh, over a decade now of uh, top level coaching um honestly that's got to be in there i can't i can't skip that out of one of my top five pace but it's not a beginner mistake is it everybody mistake. everybody it's even the elite everybody. guys body yeah. absolutely so elite start line at last year's london marathon where i was with an athlete um it's an interesting experience there because you're kind of separated off from the rest of the athletes and everybody's warming up and like, if you look at the statistics if you look at the numbers are a good a high percentage of the elite athletes go off too hard they go off too hard they slow down in the second half of the race it is absolutely and it, and it happens because i mean it happens more probably in the marathon because yeah. you know you train for 26 miles and most people haven't run that in their training so guess what it feels easy for a bit yeah they're all <laughs> um, pumped up ready to go pumped up, you've got all that adrenaline and it just kind of you know the, the helicopters in the air and the music's going and you just can't help yourself you know and yeah i mean that is it's, it's criminal but it's a criminal mistake that we all make and i i would lie if i said i hadn't made it um but a marathon feels amazing or a race feels amazing when you do pace it right so um absolutely pacing going off too hard not being able to put the ego in the box is a huge is absolutely a huge a huge one of those the, the flip side of that though and I, i'm not being a, trying to be too serious about it but the flip side of it is one of the big mistakes i think people make is they massively underestimate what they're capable of doing um now when we when we, around the first time we met you you always said that you wanted to go and have a crack at running as fast as you could and trying to run inside three hours and at the time you were nowhere near that <laughs> you were yeah. nowhere near that and i think i i think most of us are 
massively underestimate our, what we are physically capable of doing. And I think that's a huge mistake. It's very, it's really common to kind of view yourself through the lens of, uh, you know, if I viewed myself through the lens of a 15 stone person who couldn't run a mile, there was an absolutely no chance I would have made a career out of being a running coach. I ran, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't an elite athlete by any standard, but I ran some reasonable marathon times and reasonable half marathon times. And there's, if, if I, we limit ourselves, I think sometimes mentally to protect ourselves. We don't want to face the feeling of disappointment. So we're, mm. we're, it's easier to kind of set ourselves goals that we are kind of already know we can achieve. Yeah, comfortable ones. Yeah. Comfortable ones. You can already do it. And I, and I think that that is a, if I look at, if I go to, you know, those charity training days that I've been at, probably everybody set themselves, not everybody, some of them have set themselves a goal that's way beyond what, what they're physically capable of achieving. Yeah. Most people do the opposite. Uh, so underestimating yourself and underestimating how how good you can be. And it might not be in one marathon training cycle. It might take mm. two, three, four, whatever yeah, it is. It yeah. might take 10 years. Um, but be ambitious. Because I do genuinely think, well, you're better to be ambitious all things in life you're better to be ambitious and maybe not quite achieve that but you'll you'll learn a lot by trying to do it then kind of go in setting it setting kind of easy targets to knock over because it's like well what's that that doesn't test you or push you yeah, or challenge yeah. you see underestimating yourself i think is a big is a big mistake that's a bit of a kind of nebulous one because i think you know you're probably looking for like you know there's all the all the stuff that you probably would expect around like new kit being not being aware that once you get to 24 miles in a marathon like if you anything that's gonna chafe is gonna chafe so you know <laughs> need to be prepared for that so with no new running gear adequate lubrication so uh so yeah so no need you want to get i'd say you know a mistake um is assuming that you um is assuming that you are not a runner like i'm something cheesy but like if you're if you're out the door and you're running you're a runner so the thing one of the things that i think can help people the most in their training is getting out and training with other people you know yeah. in some shape or form either doing either joining a running club or whether they're going to get down to park run or do more racing so they're around other people because it brings you out of yourself one of the main reasons that i hear from our coach at bournemouth athletics club one of the main reasons why people don't join athletics clubs is because they think they're just for good runners you know they think they're yeah. just for athletes and it's just not true so you know um i'd say don't be insular like being insular yeah. with your running is a is a is a way that you will probably naturally limit your development try to get out and about train with other people arrange to meet up with other people join a run together group if you go on the england athletics website there's details on there or look at your local running group or running club or get down to park run train with other people meet with other people don't be insular because i think yeah. it's not yeah. until you start going with other people that you go actually i've not I'm not bad at this, <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and 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 these people will support you and kind of help you through yourself. Um, um, I would say judging yourself constantly through your training is a mistake that I see a lot of. So you're not going to be ready to run, particularly the marathon. You're not going to be ready to run your marathon until marathon day. That's when you're best. That's when you're ready. You've tapered you fuel properly, you've done all of your training, you're ready. Whereas I think a lot of us view a training plan as a constantly testing whether you're ready. And it's yeah. not 
what it's for. Training plan is there to get you fit. So those key long runs, let's say four, five, six weeks out for marathon day, they may go really well and that's great and it will give you confidence, but they may not go well because yeah. that's life. And that, and But it doesn't mean that the marathon won't go well. It's yeah. not, those runs are not there as a, as a benchmark, as a test. That's not the way that we do it. The test is on marathon day. Everything before that is designed to get you fit and to get you ready. So don't be analysing the to death every single run and and seeing your motivation go from like peaks to troughs to peaks to troughs because you have yeah. a good run because you remember to eat breakfast or you had a yeah. good day yeah. at work and you're feeling positive and then two days later you're feeling crap and you, you had a rubbish run and the wheels came off and it was just a bit miserable yeah that happens and, mm. and so go with the journey of of training there's gonna be some good runs gonna be some poor runs but it's marathon day that is the real test um and lastly is that four or five <laughs> <laughs> i'm not uh, counting tom they're all so good keep going keep going yeah if you uh, want to do this as the last uh, one um i think fueling is a big issue i do think fueling is a big issue most people under fuel for the marathon so tom we're talking about the uh, nutrition for the uh, marathon so you wanted to continue yeah, so um, I think most people, I'm not saying uh, fueling for a marathon is easy. It's, it's not. You know, gels can be difficult to take on or jelly babies or whatever it is you use. But if you yeah. practice and you do it sensibly and you don't neck your gels back like it's a, you know, like it's a sh- kind of a shot on a Saturday night, um, <laughs> actually fueling well can really, really help you. You know, so um, I'd say most most runners under underdo the fueling. They either don't take on anything on race day, or because of nerves, they take on too little, um, or they take on too little because they have a thing with a good race day practice that you've practiced in training and you know works for you. Um, but then taking on uh, taking on gels um, and um, and taking them on slowly and and. Um, and allowing them to absorb uh, correctly as you run uh, will really help most runners and they probably don't take on enough I wouldn't have said yeah 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 oh, that's that's certainly the uh, point I think I've seen for a lot of people so there's there's a lot to take on there and it's interesting I mean my take on a couple of those and, and in particular about the training where people and the and running club running with other people I think for me what I found is is joining a club and and running with other people is a great um leveler and also helping people in terms of getting the best from them and think a friend of mine like you were saying some people think that a lot of running clubs they're all good runners and they're all this or all that and uh, a friend of mine was quite surprised that literally within 12 months he's now one of the one of their top runners mm. and he didn't think he was any good and with the uh, journey of training i vividly remember building up to frankfurt and, and a lot of my training runs were rubbish but on the day frankfurt marathon was was a stonking day so yeah so i think there's some fantastic key learning points there tom and uh, i really do appreciate you uh, taking the time to share those and no doubt a lot of people will be having questions queries and by all means they can leave the questions in the comments for those on the youtubes um leave it in the comments below 
and uh, and obviously we've persisted through a few changes in the uh, signal and uh, we've got to the end tom so uh, yeah so we we got there didn't yeah. we so thanks everybody thanks for bearing with me this is the, the, the panel is using the internet in the car park <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, as you said, it's a bit like a marathon. We've persisted through and we've got to the finish line and uh, we've done it. I think we maybe we had a bit of walking in there and maybe we uh, took the gel maybe a bit too quick. But uh, we've got to the finish line and uh, we've got there. So thank you so much for your time, Tom. Really do appreciate it. No doubt a lot of guys, we can maybe get you on later in, in the year on some specifics that people might want to ask. But by all means, people can leave comments, questions below and uh, myself and Tom will, will answer them as best we can. And for those listening on the podcast, I hope you enjoy us and I do apologise for some of the slight distractions in sound, but uh, that's that's how it is, the World Wide Webs. Thank you so much again, Tom, and we'll be yeah. seeing you soon. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. <laughs>